Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Man, I have been ready to preach this message for a couple of weeks now. This is our annual vision casting service. And when the snow began to come down, I'm like, God, what you, what, what's happening here? Because we want to have this service. This is a time of when we, we lay the foundation of what you have spoken into our lives. And so here we are today. It's a time when we begin to reveal of what God has in store. It's a critical time for the church. Why? Because as we continue to grow, we have to continuously reevaluate what we are doing and how we are doing it. I want to take just a moment and read our text this morning. Our text is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 23, a scripture that many of you have probably never read before, but it says this, There was also Benaiah, Son of Jehoiada. Wouldn't that be a great name to call your child? Anybody that's expecting, you should name your child Jehoiada. It's a great name. There was Benaiah, Justin and Tiffany, Jehoiada. Jehoiada. It's a great name. He was a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, timely service, yes. On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Now, I want you to hold on to this verse in, for just a few moments. We will soon discuss who this Benaiah guy is and what he did. But every year at this point, we take a moment and I share with you what I believe God has laid upon my heart to share with the church of what is our word for the year. What does God have in store for this upcoming year? What is it that drives the focus behind everything that we do? Well, a few months ago, I was preparing for our annual staff retreat. This is a time when our staff goes away for about three or four days, and we just vision cast and pray and dream and say, God, what do you have in store? So I was preparing for that, and I'm, I'm crying out to God so that I can make sure that, that I'm on the right page as we go into this retreat. And the word that God kept laying upon my heart is not a word that I'd use a whole lot prior to that, but a, a word that I believe that he has given us for this year, and that word is encounter. Our experience with God must be more than simply a Sunday morning service. Our walk with Christ must be more than an hour and 15 each and every week. Our relationship with Him is to be more than a one-time confession and a one-time simple prayer. God is calling us to encounter Him on a regular basis. This year is going to focus in and around this idea of encounter. Every sermon series that we do is going to carry with it the underlining pulse of encounter. Every activity that we hold, every ministry that we begin is going to wrap itself around this idea of encounter. I never want us as a church to become guilty of just doing church. Let me say that again. I never want us as a church to become guilty of just doing church. 
But every time we come together as a body of believers, that should be an encounter with the presence of God. After all, isn't that what we saw happening in the early church? When they came in together, when they stepped in, into in a house or in a building or in a place with other believers, things begin to happen. Why? Because the presence of God showed up. Miracles took place. Lives were being changed. People were coming to know Christ by the droves. It is time that we have a regular encounter with the presence of God. It's time that Bethel Assembly does more than just have a church service. It's time for this building, this house, this church to be known as the place where people encounter the presence of God. But here's what I want you to understand. This is not just a Pastor Chris calling. This is the Bethel Assembly calling. We are called to chase the lion. We are called to, to change the environment to one that allows for the true encounter of God. The question is, are you willing to do this? Not the response I was expecting. <laughs> the question is, are we as a church willing to do what needs to be done to encounter the presence of God? Are we willing to chase the lion? 2019 is going to be the year of encounter. In fact, next Sunday we kick off our first sermon series for the year, it will be a seven-week series, simply titled Encounter, Face-to-Face -face with God. We're going to challenge ourselves to truly come face-to-face -face with God, not just when we gather together on a Sunday morning, but on a daily basis in our personal time with God. Because I believe that when we begin to chase the lion on a snowy day into the pit, I believe that when we encounter the presence of God, we are going to see some things happen. Miracles will take place. Lives will be changed. Families will be transformed. Relationships will be renewed. Needs will be answered. Hearts will be transformed. Why? Because we've chosen to encounter the presence of God. Benea had such an encounter. One day, he chased the lion. This heroic warrior found himself with a choice to make. What would he do? Would he run from the lion? Or would he chase it down and become the victor? You see, in life, and, and quite honestly, as a church, we are going to encounter many lions. Oftentimes, these lions appear in our human eyes as impossible. There's no way that I can accomplish this. There's no way that this can be done. There's no way that this will ever take place. It seems impossible. It seems that the only choice that we have to do when we come in contact with that lion is run. 
But today, I challenge you as a church, I challenge you as an individual, become a lion chaser. I want to look at three traits of a lion chaser. If if we are going to agree to become a lion chaser, we need to understand what it means to be a lion chaser. Are you ready? Trait number one. Lion chasers know that the bigger their God is, the smaller lions become. Let me say that again, because that should have made some of you hoop and holler. Lion chasers know that the bigger their God is, the smaller lions become. Now, this moment with Benaiah was not the first time that we see an encounter with a lion. How many of you remember Daniel? Daniel was faced with a a dilemma. A decree came down from the king that you couldn't pray to anyone but him. But Daniel, being a man of God, unwilling to defile himself, continued to pray earnestly and fervently to the God Almighty. Three times a day, the Bible says, Daniel cried out to the Lord. But how many of you know that sometimes lions bite? In this moment, the lion tried to nibble a little bit on Daniel. And, and word came to the king that Daniel was praying to God. And the king had the fires turned up hotter and had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Odds were stacked up against Daniel. Many of us, we would look at that situation and go, well, Daniel's a done, a done deal. There's, there's going to be no more Daniel. But what I see occurring here is a miracle because Daniel chased the lion. Daniel chapter 6, verse 20 says, when King Darius got there, he called out in anguish. Now, mind you, Daniel has already been thrown into the lion's den. cried out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, Long live the king! My God has sent angels to shut the lions' mouths so they would not hurt me. By the way, this is the first Daniel fast. Some of you will get that. Some of you may not. Daniel went into the lion's den fully trusting, fully believing that God would make a way. I ask you today, how big is your God? Is your God larger than your lion? Is your God larger than the opposition that you come up against? Is your God larger than the difficulties that you face in life? Is your God larger than that which seems impossible? How big is your God? My God? My God's unchanging. My God is all-powerful. My God is all-knowing. He is my Savior, my Redeemer, my Deliverer. My God is my shield. He's my strength. He's my fortress. My God is indescribable, incomprehensible, incomparable, invincible. There is no one like my God. 
But too often, we approach the lions in life much different than that of Daniel or even Benaiah. Rather than face the lions with an assurance that God is greater, we see the lion, we look the lion in the eyes, and we say that lion is unstoppable. Suddenly fear and defeat begin to well up inside of us. And suddenly our lion becomes larger and larger and larger and our God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And I wonder, when is the last time that you chased down a lion and conquered it with the strength that only God could give? That's what Benaiah did. He chased a lion, entered a pit, and defeated that lion all when the odds were stacked up against him. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says this, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I want you to say that with me this morning because some of you in the house today, you've been facing some lions in your life. Some of you in the house today, you've been facing some situations which seem impossible. Some of you are here today and you're thinking there's no way I can make it another day and you're wanting to give up. But I want you to know that despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Take, take a look at this. Look at the context. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Well, some of you are thinking, well, pastor, what's that have to do with face and lion? I'll tell you what, when I'm face to face with a lion, when I come in eye contact with a big hairy beast, you better believe I want to be in the presence of God Almighty. You better believe I want the love of God wrapped all around my life. You better believe that I don't want anything separating me from him. So look at this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's a great question, right? How many of you have heard people say, well, God can't love me because I've just done too many things wrong? Or, or when, when I get my life cleaned up, when everything gets on the right path, when I get all this taken care of, then I'll turn to God because then he can accept me. Can anything ever separate you from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us when we have trouble? Anybody have trouble in the house? or calamity, or when we're persecuted, or, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, say that with me, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. No matter how large the lion may, may appear. No matter how sharp the teeth may be. Overwhelming victory is ours 
even though the odds are stacked up against us. Other translations say that we are more than conquerors through Jesus. Despite the lions that we face, no matter how large they may appear, no matter what other people are saying, my God is greater than a lion. After all, he's the lion of Judah. Overwhelming victory is ours, not because of who I am, not because of who you are, but because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. We are paid in full. I ask you the question again this morning, how big is your God? See, lion chasers know that the bigger their God is, the smaller the lions become. The second trait that I see about a lion chaser is this. Lion chasers are convinced they can beat the odds. Have you ever met one of those people that are convinced that they are unstoppable? That, that they can conquer anything? That's what a lion chaser is. They are convinced they can beat the odds. Benaiah was up against serious odds. But the Bible tells us that he killed the lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, I want to pause for a moment. Let me ask you this question. Do you have more courage now or when, when you were a kid, when you were younger? I would venture to say, if you're like me, you had a whole lot more nerve when you were a kid. I, I did things as a kid that there's no way ever that I would do as an adult. I remember Right up the street from Grandma and Grandpa's house was a sawmill. And they had these humongous piles of sawdust. And it seemed like that pile never got smaller, never got larger. It was always the same size. But what we would do is, is we would take our bicycles. Now, I'm not talking about a BMX bike. We were 10-speed bicycle riders. And we would take our 10-speed bicycle, and we would go uh, gear one, two, three, all the way up to 10, and we're flying down the road. And right before that big sawdust pile, there was a ramp. And we would jump that 10-speed bike. Now, for those of you that are too young to really know what a 10-speed bike is, the wheels were tiny. They would bend very easily, Yes. Today, looking at that, I'm thinking, uh-uh, not going to happen. I was talking to Claire Keys right before service today, and, you know, kids, I, I love just the, the randomness in their minds. I began to talk to Claire, and Randy and I were back there, and Claire goes, I can do a handstand, and I thought for a moment she was going to jump into a handstand right there. But she said, but I can only do it on a trampoline because the ground's soft. And this is hard and I don't want anybody stepping on me. <laughs> Are you more courageous now or when you were younger? Most of us would say when I was younger, I was so much more courageous. Let me ask you a question. What changed? Why have we lost that courage why have we lost the courage to to beat the odds to face the lion to to chase it down into the pit on a snowy night why have we lost the courage i believe this is oftentimes the case in our walk with god early on we we think that we can conquer anything 
We think that we can take the world by storm, that we're going to tell everyone about Jesus, that the entire world around us is going to know about the awesomeness of God. Yet sometime, somehow, some way in the course of our Christianity, a few years down the road, we lose that passion and that excitement. What changed? Did God change? No. The Bible says that my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That my God never changed. So what changed in us that shifted us and moved us from confidence and boldness to fearing the lion? I truly believe that Benaiah was convinced that he was able to beat all odds. Benaiah was convinced he could beat all odds. There might have been people around him that day that were shaking their heads. I would venture to say that as we were riding our 10 speeds down Springfield Avenue in St. James, Missouri, and we were heading toward that sawdust pile, there were probably people driving by, maybe even my grandma and grandpa, and they were thinking, what are you crazy boys doing? That might have been the case with Benaiah that day. The other warriors are around, and there's Benaiah, and here comes the lion. The other warriors begin to retreat, but not Benaiah. I believe that there were probably naysayers in his life shaking their head at him. But he was convinced, Benaiah was convinced, that he could beat all odds. Enough so that he chased the lion into the pits on a snowy day. Now, I don't know about you, but I see several reasons why this appears to be a bad idea. First off, it was a lion. Enough said, right? Lions are big. Lions are mean. Lions can eat you. I look at this story, I look at this short section of Scripture, and I see Benet, and I'm thinking, dude, what are you thinking? It's a lion. And second thing, he goes into the pit. There's not a back door of a pit. You were all in. And thirdly, it was snowing. Not good scenario. Benaiah met the worst of enemies, a lion, in the worst of places, a pit, in the worst of conditions, a snowy day. And guess what? He won. Benaiah chased the lion. Mark Batterson actually has a book called Chase the Lion, which, little shameless plug here, my life group will be going through this book, and we're going to be challenged over the next 13 weeks. But I want to read a little clip out of this book. Page 34 says this, May the odds be ever in your favor. Now this is the motto of the Hunger Games. But that isn't how it works in the kingdom of God. It's more like, may the odds be ever against you. Impossible odds set the stage for God's greatest miracles. And apparently, God loves long shots. Isn't that why he removed 9,700 soldiers from Gideon's army? Isn't that why 
He let the fiery furnace be heated up seven times hotter. Isn't that why he didn't show up until Lazarus was four days dead? If the Israelites had defeated the Midianites with the army of 10,000, I'm sure they would have thanked God. But I bet they would have taken some of the credit for themselves. So God cut the army down to size. He let Nebuchadnezzar turn up the heat. He let Lazarus lie in the tomb for four days. Why? To ensure that he got all the credit, all the glory. We tend to avoid situations where the odds are against us. But when we do, listen carefully, we rob God of the opportunity to do something supernatural. Let me read that last sentence again. We tend to avoid situations when the odds are against us. But when we do, we rob God of the opportunity to do something supernatural. What was the difference between a normal warrior and Benaiah? Benaiah was convinced that he would be victorious despite the odds stacked up against him. You see, it's only by the the power of God that we can, in fact, defeat a lion, much less chase it. Honestly, it is only by the courage given to us by God that we'll even chase a lion down into the pit on a snowy day. Many of us, under our own strength, would never, ever, ever chase a lion, much less chase it into a pit and fight it. We would come up with a myriad of reasons why we just can't do it. Well, first off, a lion can run so much faster than I am. I'm not in shape to chase a lion. Round is a shape, but not the right shape. The pit is, is way too deep. If, if I jump into the pit, there's, there's no way that I can get out of the pit. So I, I shouldn't. I'll just, I'll just wait until later, let the lion hang out in the pit. It's just not good for me to jump into the pit. Well, the snowy conditions make it impossible to catch your footing. And honestly, it's just too cold. So we give up. And we never, ever, ever see our victory. Because the environment around the lion and the lion itself make it seemingly impossible to be victorious. Some of us need to change the environment in which we're living. Some of us have allowed the conditions around us to trap us in a life of fear that keeps us from trusting God and chasing the lion into the pit and conquering that lion in the name of Jesus. But here's what I've discovered. A true lion chaser is convinced they can beat the odds. Can we? Will we not only chase the lion, but leap into the pit and conquer the beast? See, I've discovered that a lion chaser knows that the bigger their God is, the smaller the lion becomes. I I noticed that a lion chaser is convinced that they can beat the odds, but I also see that lion chasers embrace their God-given challenge. Lion chasers embrace the God-given challenge. 
God was building Benaiah's resume all along. You see, at just the right time, God appointed a particular moment when, when Benaiah would come in contact with his prospective employer, King David. Amazingly, the two of these men, they, they discovered they had a lot in common. David killed a lion and Benaiah killed a lion. David killed a, a Philistine warrior. We know the story of David and Goliath. Well, here we know that Benaiah killed an Egyptian warrior. David saw the handprint of God on the life of this young man, and he made him his chief guard, his chief bodyguard. But look at this. The, the name Benaiah is a combination of, of two words, the word Yahweh and the word Benah. Now, these two words together simply mean this. Benaiah is built by God. Well, see, now I got excited there. In this short little snippet of Scripture, we see this warrior, this amazing warrior that chases this lion on a snowy day into a pit and conquers the beast there. And his name literally means built by God. But here's what I understand. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are designed in the very image of our creator. You are built by God. You are called to be a lion chaser. So why is it that we run the other way? Why is it that when the lions come around us, we cower in fear? In his book, Mark Batterson says, faithfulness is not holding down the forts. Faithfulness is chasing 500-pound lions. According to research done by two sociologists, Tom Gilovich and Vicki Medvek, time is a key factor in what we reject. I'm sorry, in what we regret. Over the short term, we tend to regret our actions. But over the long haul, we tend to regret inactions. Let me say this again. Over the short term, we tend to regret our actions. Anybody ever regret your actions over the short term? Man, I really should not have eaten that 45th cookie. <laughs> I really shouldn't have gone back for a second round of desserts. Over the short term, we regret our actions, but over the long haul, we tend to regret our inactions. Their study found that over the course of an average week, action regrets outnumbered inaction 53% to 47%. But when people began to look over their lives, inaction regrets outnumbered action regrets 84% to 16%. At the end of our lives, we will regret opportunities missed more than the mistakes that we made. We'll regret the moments when we had an opportunity to chase a lion into the pit on a snowy day. We regret the moments when God sets up an ordained opportunity for us and we push it to the side saying, now is not the time, God. 
oftentimes our greatest regrets at the end of our lives will in fact be the lions that we failed to chase. So what are the lions that God is calling Bethel Assembly to conquer in 2019? I want to give you just a few of them. But I want you to understand these aren't lions that just one or two of us can chase by ourselves. These are lions that are going to require we, the church, we, the body, to gather together to conquer in the name of Jesus. The first one. I believe God is calling us to blow past our average 300 in attendance. Now listen carefully. I'm not saying this because I think we need more numbers, but I'm saying this because I believe that we need to reach more souls. I believe that we need to push past the 300 and approach, if not past the 400 mark in 2019. Seems difficult. How do we chase that lion? How do we conquer it? Well, here's what I figured out. If every family unit, not every person, but every family unit that calls Bethel Assembly home would bring just one guest, and that guest would continue to, at- to attend the church, we would quickly move from 300 an average of about 425, seemingly overnight. If every family unit that calls Bethel Assembly home would invite one person, now I would venture to say that every one of us have unsaved friends. If you say, well, pastor, I don't know any unsaved people, then you need to get out of your circle. The Bible says go into the world and make disciples. You need to get, some, get to know some ungodly people. You need to bring them to church. You need to tell them of the goodness of Jesus Christ. You need to share with them what Jesus has done in your life. You need to chase that lion. This endeavor will take every one of us doing our part. It's time that we, the church, get serious about winning the lost for the kingdom of God. That's what we saw the early church doing. Bible says many, numerous were brought to the Lord daily that which were being saved. Not one, two, three, four, five, but numerous were coming to know Jesus daily. Why? Because the message of Jesus Christ was being shared. I believe that our time on this earth is short. It's no longer acceptable in the eyes of God to simply attend church. Listen carefully. The times of attending church at a convenience are over. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir. You're the one that braved the cold this morning. You're the one that are chasing the lion down the slippery road. But the times of doing church at a convenience are behind us. It's time to chase the lion out of conviction. We must embrace the calling 
that God has placed upon this church to encounter God, to reach the lost. After all, that's who we are corporately. We exist to reach beyond these walls, to bring those that don't know Christ in. I want to encourage you to regularly invite people to be with you, to regularly share your faith with them. And I had a person just a couple of weeks ago came in my office and they began to share with me it was a Sunday that I was on vacation and that next day they came in the office and they're sharing with me all these things that happened the day before and, and how they prayed with this person. They took this other person to the altar and they said, I kept thinking, man, I wish pastor was here. And I said, why? You were doing exactly what you're called to do. My role is to give you an opportunity to equip you. You were doing what you were supposed to do. I am so proud of you church that's what we've got to do individually we've got to be willing to chase that lion we've got to be willing to jump into that pits you may have naysayers all around you but understand this there's nothing that will separate you from the love of God God wants to use you let's all do our parts We meet every week, not just for your benefits, but we meet every week to give the lost an opportunity to know Christ. Can we chase that lion? Can we follow it into the pits? Because I believe that with God's help, we will in fact be victorious. Another quote out of the book that's not on the screen, but man, I, I was reading this week and processing through and this, I really felt that God said, pick up the book and read a chapter, just one chapter, read the book. Man, alive, he rocked my world. There was a quote and said, if we want to reach the people no one else is reaching, we may have to do what no one else is doing. If we want to reach the people that no one else is reaching, can I be honest with you? I'm not interested in our church reaching the other Christians. That's why when we advertise on the radio for our family fest and other events, we don't advertise on K-Love or Spirit FM. Because I'm not interested. Our leadership is not interested in reaching who everyone else is reaching. We want to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. If we want to reach who no one else is reaching, we've got to be willing to do what no one else is doing. One of those out-of-the-box opportunities is going to happen Easter Sunday morning. In 2018, we had a record high of attendance. If you were here, uh, you'll testify. This place was a bit crazy. There were 500 exactly in attendance on Easter Sunday morning. People were stacked like cordwood in this place. So we begin to process as a staff at Staff Retreat, what are we going to do this Easter? Because quite honestly, I'm not sure that we could see any more growth on Easter if we stay at two services. So it appeared that the only option was to go to a third Sunday morning service on Easter Sunday. So we began to brainstorm and let God 
speaking to our lives, and I can't remember which one of the staff, one of the brilliant staff, whichever one it was, they said, why don't we rent a facility off-site? I thought, well, what are some options? What are we looking at? And then another one said, well, the, the PAC, the Performing Arts Center at Smith Cotton High School, holds about 725-ish, I believe, somewhere around that figure. What if we rented the Performing Arts Center, the PAC, for Easter Sunday morning and, and brought everybody together and did a big push in our community and invited all the community to be with us and join us on Easter Sunday morning? What would that look like? So instantly we picked up the phone and started making some phone calls to find out if that was even a possibility. And sure enough, no one's renting the Performing Arts Center on Easter Sunday morning. So I'm excited to share with you that in 2019, we are going to pack the pack for Jesus. We're going to pack the Performing Arts Center for Jesus. We're not going to meet here. We're going to meet across town. We're going to have Facebook feeds. We're going to have advertisements around the community. We're going to have flyers everywhere. I'm going to encourage you to invite people. And we are going to pack the Performing Arts Center on Easter Sunday morning. We're going to chase that lion, hopefully not on a snowy day. And we're going to watch and see what God does. I also believe that we've got to become a greater face in our community. We've got to get our name out more and more and more. Yes, we are doing a few things in our community. We believe in our community. We're, we're taking supplies to different organizations. We're mentoring. We, we've got different things going on. But I believe that we as a church need to be a greater face in our community. That when people see our logo, instantly they know who we are and where we are and what we're all about. And that's the place where you can encounter the presence of God. We're going to begin to brainstorm and dream big dreams. I'm going to ask some of you to help me because I believe that we need to be in every parade that's in our community. We need to have a float, and I'm not a float guy. Unless, of course, it's, it's Coca-Cola and ice cream. And then I'm all about the float. That's my kind of float. But, but I believe that we need to have a float that people ride on in the parades, and this community loves its parades. We have a parade for everything. All oh, the trees are blooming. Let's have a parade. Am I right? When we first got here, four months in a row, there was a parade. September, October, November, December. I was like, this place is crazy. But if you are interested and you just have a desire to build a float or brainstorm that, talk to me. We need to, to be a part of every major activity in our community. We need to be a part of what's happening when people see our billboard, when they see our logo, when they see us, they go, you're from that church, right? You're from Bethel Assembly. You're the ones that... Not so that we can get recognition. Don't misunderstand me. But so we can bring them to an encounter with God. Are we willing to chase the lion? I also believe that we are called to reach the addict. This has been something that we've talked about for the last year and a half. God spoke to my heart 
uh, the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, that we were going to reach the attic. That is beginning to come to fruition. We currently have a group of individuals that are in training right now for a program called Living Free. If you remember several months ago, we had Jack Smart with us, and he shared with us what Living Free was all about. It was an opportunity to, to embrace the, the addict, to show them that Jesus Christ is the way out, that he is their hope. After all, it was the prophet Isaiah that prophesied that Jesus would come to set the captive free. And God's called us to be a part of that twofold ways. First off, we're partnering with Primrose Hill Adult and Teen Challenge. This is an, an adult and teen challenge facility that's coming to our community. Amen. But we're also, yeah, amen. We are also going to start a weekly program, much like that of AA or Celebrate Recovery. But like Celebrate Recovery, Living Free is a Bible-based program that focuses on the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way. That an encounter with Him is the answer to true release. As I've stated, there's a small group of individuals that are currently training to be a part of this ministry. If you're interested in that, please let me know. Along the way, we are going to encounter lions. We're going to have weapons formed against us. We're going to have words that are spoken to harm us. But as I was praying this morning, Lord, would you shut the mouths of the lions? Lord, the weapons that are formed to harm us, Lord, may they not be successful. May the words that are being formed to, to harm us, may they not be effective. But Lord, shut the mouths of the lions. And Lord, give us the boldness, give this church, give Bethel Assembly the boldness to chase the lion on a snowy day into the pits and become the victor. I ask you today, I've shared with you what God is challenging us to do, but I ask you today, what lion is God asking you? chase we'll have lions along the way the question is will we retreat or will we chase the lion I say let's run with full force at the lion why because my God is bigger let's chase the lion